Shortlisted is brought to you by Future Women's Jobs Academy. Getting back to work after a career break isn't easy. Future Women's Jobs Academy is a free online program supported by the Australian Government. It's proven to increase confidence and connect women with meaningful and flexible jobs. Apply today at jobsacademy.futurewomen.com. We'll support you to find the right job and thrive. Nothing makes a person go weak at the knees quite like a job interview. Enter Shortlisted, a podcast by Future Women where Helen McCabe and I hold your virtual hand, walking with you every step of the way, right to the interview door and straight onto the shortlist. In this episode, we teach you how to communicate a career transition and showcase your transferable skills. Pivot was not just the word du jour of 2020. Let's learn what it takes to switch industries by harnessing your valuable skills and experience. So you're ready to make a switch and change roles or career. How can you frame your prior experience and articulate transferable skills? Have you ever had a career transition? I think you might have. Yeah, I totally have. And I would say my overarching piece of advice is own it. This is not one to shy away from. This is not one to wait until they bring it up. A career transition is a good thing. If you've been in the workforce and you've been kicking goals and you've been reaching new heights and achieving things and you're looking to make a shift into a new industry, that should be flattering to the people who work in that industry currently. And in the world that we live in now, there will no doubt be skills and attributes and abilities that you have picked up in your previous roles that will be more than useful in a new area of work. The trick is to sell it in a way that is meaningful and is authentic and not go down the path of overselling skills that you might need in this new job that perhaps you don't have. So it's absolutely common practice and more so now than it's ever been before. Yeah, the portfolio career, right? Absolutely. So in Australia, job mobility is at an all-time high with one in 10 workers changing jobs from February 2021 to February 2022. That's a big stat. And we also know from a poll of 6,000 women in six countries, 68% of employed women worldwide say the pandemic has made them rethink their career paths. And we know that because, Jamila, you and I mentor a lot of women through the Future Women community, and so many of you are all thinking about changing roles. So, it's really common. Don't shy away from it. In fact, I would even argue... Transitioning careers is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. In fact, for the young ones amongst you, it is going to be more than normal. It is going to be constant. There's a new Australian study out that's indicated that young people today will likely have 17 different jobs over five different careers in a lifetime. So I think nowadays, employers are going to expect that you've moved around a little bit. So it's not something to be worried about or ashamed of. There are a whole different bunch of motivations that might be the reason behind you pursuing a new career. It might be plain and simple. It might be about money, right? might be that you were in a career where you'd reached a ceiling, you weren't going to go further, and you wanted to look for greater rewards somewhere else. It might be about flexibility and balance and well-being. Perhaps you were in a career where it was always going to be super fast-paced and high pressure, and that's not something you want right now. Or perhaps it's about experience or love of doing something different. Perhaps you've reached a stage in your life where it's not just about doing the job you trained for when you were younger. Perhaps it's time 
for a change. Perhaps your values have shifted. Perhaps there's a culture or a series of relationships that you want to explore. I think that's something to be really proud of. Remember, if you're interviewing for a job, you're interviewing with someone who works in that area already. So they like it. They think it's good. It is, if anything, flattering to them to hear from you that you'd also like to work in that space. And look, moving around is the fastest way to a salary increase. Quite often you need to move in order to jump up the ladder, both in terms of your title and in terms of your salary. But they are not the only reasons to go. People move because of mental health services, flexible schedules, and of course, getting more technical skills or remote work options, which of course is something that's quite important to many of our community. So, you're in a job interview, you've got to explain that you've gone from one profession to something wildly different. What do you do about it? All right. So, as I said at the top, you sell it, folks, and we're going to do a little bit of a practice now. So, I'm in my job interview with Helen McCabe, lucky me, and Helen is asking me about why I think I would be right for this new role as a journalist working at Future Women, given that I used to be a professional synchronised swimmer. And she says to me, what possible transferable skills could you bring to this role? It's a particularly challenging one, and I'm hoping that the challenge for the rest of you selling something is not quite this hard. This is going to be a really good exercise in hearing how good Jamila is at selling something, because she will actually be able to do this. What did you learn synchronised swimming that you can bring to the role at Future Women? It's hard to know where to start because there are so many things Correct. that I can bring I can to tell. your organisation. The first one is, I think, a fresh perspective because Future Women is staffed mostly by young women who've worked in areas such as gender, diversity, inclusion, sales and politics and media in the past. And what I bring is a new perspective that nobody else can and that's the perspective of an elite athlete, which I add, as you can see, uh, What I'm able to bring is the sense of hard work and training and dedication that is required to be an elite athlete. I'm someone who takes a task, I focus completely on that task, and I am a problem solver. I'm someone who brings creativity to what I do. I have learned countless incredible artistic swimmy routines in my life, and I've been part of creating them. And I'll be able to bring that into the future women's space as well. And I'll be able to take that creative approach to solving the kinds of problems that you're coming up against when you're looking at how to deliver for different members of your jobs academy. I also have a host of interesting contacts. And when you think about the kind of people you want speaking at future women events and to be part of your community, you want access to the elite sporting world because we have a lot to give. Did you actually swim? No. No, okay. You just did the... I mean, I can swim. You just came up with the concept. (laughs) But I'm not a synchronised swimmer. A very poor lung capacity. (laughs) What you missed, I think, was teamwork. Oh, yeah. You would have been been really good in the teamwork um, component of synchronised swimming. Now, obviously, we're being sarcastic and silly, folks, but I do think there's some truth in that. There is a, a core authenticity to what Helen and I are talking about there, which is that no matter where you have worked, you have developed some kind of broad transferable skills. You may not have new technical skills. The technical skills are something you might have to learn on the job. However, the broad skills required to achieve and be a good teammate in a workplace are really quite similar. Absolutely. And the thing that 
often employers are looking for is that breadth of experience. So whether it be in an elite sport or in banking or whether it be in an ad agency, it's often exciting to think that you can hire someone who's immersed themselves in a completely different world to the one that you're in. So I completely endorse everything that Jamila just said. And I think that was a really good example of how you can sell almost any experience in an adjacent career. If you're going to go about this, if you are moving into a new space, the first thing you need to do is do a bit of self-analysis, right? You need to move into a place where you can identify those transferable skills and have a case to make about where you have demonstrated those skills in the past in a way that's not too technical to your previous jobs because that's not going to be super helpful. So I want you to look at what you've done in the past and sit down and actually do some real reflection on your previous roles Think about what you were good at and think about how that might be useful or relevant to the job description of the role you're applying for. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. I want you to sit down and have a think about your strengths, what you've achieved, those great examples of when you've overcome failure or you've brought people together, whatever it might be. And then I want you to sit and link them to your new job description and think about how they can link together. I think looking at old resumes, old emails and files will help you recall previous experience that perhaps you've gained. And folks, when in doubt, Google. When in doubt, Google. You can Google transferable skills checklists for your industry. They exist on websites like Seek, Jobs and Skills websites. You can, of course, come to the Future Women team if you're part of the Jobs Academy for some support. And we can help you with resources that identify potential career paths and roles that overlap when it comes to skill sets. One more thing I'd suggest, Helen, is looking at a strengths test or survey. So if you have ever done personality testing, like a Myers-Briggs type situation, that can be really useful to identify transferable skills. If you haven't done something like that before, the VIA character strength survey, VIA spelt V-I-A, is something we use as a tool at Future Women. It is free. You can access it online. Quick Google will get you there and it will give you actual language to put around your strengths and skills that are transferable within any industry. Okay, before we go on to some examples, I just want to ask the question, what if I've transitioned a number of times? So I've had a bit of a bad run. I've tried a couple of different career paths, hasn't quite worked. I, for one, do look at those CVs and go, oh, six months, you know, 18 months, nine months. I'm a bit concerned. Any advice on how you explain short periods of time in different organisations? Yeah, I think that's a really good one to point out because I don't think that's something you should gloss over or not mention because if you don't mention it and there are good reasons for that quick or rapid movement between industries or roles, your employer is going to read a whole lot into that your potential employer. They're going to look at that resume and go, ooh, bit flighty, not going to stick with the job. Red flags. What, what, what's going on? It is. It is a massive red flag. But you probably have a really good reason for those fast transitions, right? I don't want you to rat on your previous workplace. I don't want you to sit there and go, oh, well, they expected this and they did that and I was bullied there and this happened there. Don't do that because that doesn't really sell well either. But I think if you've got a good reason for that quick movement, then say it. 
Say it simply, say it briefly and move on. Because instead of your employer's mind going to all the possible imaginative reasons for your quick transitions, you've just given them the answer so that their mind stops going to the worst possible scenarios. So one explanation I heard, and it comes from one of our mentors, actually, she's got a crazy CV. She's done like so many different jobs. And her explanation is, I just like to get in, do a job, do it really well. And then I just want to move on. I I get bored by doing the same thing over and over again. I like big problems and anyone who hires me knows that's what they get. I just come in, lead a team, and then I just move on. You know, I stayed around for a few years because they gave me a new project and I really enjoyed that project, but I never stay for long. And that's just who she is. And she understands that about herself and she explains that about herself. She's obviously very good at what she does, but her CV, red flags all over it until she's explained it. I'm trying to think how I would react to that in a job interview. If I was interviewing her and she said that, firstly, I think I'd be quite taken aback by someone saying, I'm here for a good time, not a long time, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And then I suspect my second reaction would be, well, if you're effective, Yay. that's fine. And at least I know I can kind of have a mind to, well, is there someone else in the organisation who I can train up under you, who can take that role next? I can literally succession plan for a couple of years because I know you're not going to be around. Absolutely. And again, it goes to, I guess, the general theme we've hit upon throughout this podcast series that knowing yourself and being authentic and being respectful and honest about it will take you a long way. Helen, let's test out a couple of non-synchronized swimming related examples. Imagine that I am a, let's say, a sales representative and I want to move into a job that's more like project management. What are some of the relevant skills that I might have gained over my work as a sales representative, let's say for a pharmaceutical company, and I want to move into a project management role in any industry where I'm going to be running short to medium term projects from start to finish? Well, you're probably really good at building out spreadsheets of yep. activity and, and, and the pipeline. Yes, we're not, <laughs> you're not swimming. And the pipeline of activity. So you've got really clear spreadsheet skills. Yep. And you can look at a project and see whether it's on time and it's color coded and it looks, you know, very easy to digest. You're probably excellent at budgeting for the same reason that you know what clients are coming into the organisation, you know what the budget is and how close you are to hitting the budget. It's really important in project management. Communication skills, you are probably excellent at communicating because you've had to go out and cold call clients and present in different formats, video, in-person, go into large rooms and make connections. You're probably really good with a lot of those programs, a lot of those software programs, all those programs that... (laughs) you and I try to avoid. Asana, Campaign Monitor, Slack, all those excellent programs, software apps that help manage time and teams. Um, super important in a, in, a, in a project management role. So, I think you could easily make the argument that a sales rep and a project manager are really suited to, you know, a career transition process. So, this is one for you. You're a former teacher and you're moving into a job in program delivery for the Commonwealth Government. Imagine you're working for Home Affairs. 
Oh, okay. Firstly, I would say this is not uncommon at all. I have hired a bunch of former teachers in my working life. And I think often time in the classroom can be limited. And it's one of the reasons that we need to train more teachers these days. And a quick plug for all the teachers out there, teachers make excellent employees in other areas. So firstly, if I was thinking about a program delivery role in government, I think I'd start with saying I can juggle competing priorities because as a teacher, particularly a classroom teacher, your day-to-day is being on your feet, making fast decisions and knowing that there's a whole bunch of different children who have different needs at any one time and that you've also got pressure coming from colleagues and a principal and a curriculum set by government. That means you have to have an eye and an ear to a whole bunch of different competing pressures. And so you've got to be someone who's able to prioritise both in the moment and over the short and the medium term. Number two is I don't know a teacher who's not really, really organised. Being across a new classroom of kids every year, if you're a high school teacher, being across multiple classrooms of kids, being across the outcomes that they've got to get to, the way you're going to be reporting back to parents, at the same time managing whatever extracurricular thing that the principal's got you doing at that moment, getting ready for school camps, being able to go on professional development days, getting all your marking done, there is an incredible level of organisation required as a teacher. And if you're going into a program delivery role in government, that sense of organisation, it's essentially a project management role. When you're looking at a program within a government department and you've got to deliver something that has been sent to you by government, perhaps similar to a curriculum, and you've got to make it happen, you've got to be someone who is extremely organised. And then I think I'd come to the idea of a community of stakeholders and being able to communicate with stakeholders. As a teacher, you've got a whole bunch of people who are interested in the job you do, including either little or teenage children, including their parents, including the community, including your principal, including, again, the government. And in a program delivery role, when you're working for government, you are often delivering for the voters, you're delivering for the people who need that service or that program, you're possibly contracting from other organisations to deliver that program, perhaps you're communicating with other government departments or the minister's office. Again, you've got to be able to have those different stakeholders involved, understand their views, but in the end, you're the one that has to execute and execute in a way that is going to work for as many of them as possible. I think you make a really good point about stakeholder management. That's a skill that you look for as an employer and it's one many of the FW community probably doesn't recognise that they have because of all of the things that most of you juggle every day. Stakeholder management you do every day. The Monsters Future of Work report in 2021, Helen, surveyed 3,000 recruiters and talent acquisition leaders around the world. They found that more than 70% of employers are willing to hire, willing to train someone with transferable skills. So that means the chances are the employer you're sitting in front of for that job interview that's coming up is open and happy and excited to hire someone with transferable skills. You've just got to go in there and sell it. Shortlisted is produced by Future Women's Jobs Academy. To apply to join, head to jobsacademy.futurewomen.com or go to futurewomen.com to become a Future Women member today.